0: The Orville New Horizons is the third season of Seth MacFarlane's Star Trek Alternative Vision. Despite a long hiatus and a move to Hulu, this season promises to continue the show's evolution from cheap sci fi spoof into a serious adventure dromcom. Electric Dreams is the title of the first episode and the topic of conversation. Welcome to the podcast where we discuss a different series every show. It's Monday, June 6th, and you're listening to today's episode.
1: What was your mindset heading into this episode? Well, I know that The Orville started out as a show that I think got like kind of poor reviews, but as the first season went on, it got more dramatic in its storyline, and then it started to get good reviews, right? By the second season, yeah, it had flipped from generally poor reception to better reception. I remember I had like a 20% on Rotten Tomatoes for the first season when it was first starting. And I remembered seeing the promos for it, but I never was really interested in actually seeing it. And when I started watching this, I was already surprised to see that this premiere was a little bit shorter than the Stranger Things premiere. It was an hour and eight minutes. And I thought that originally it might still be, I thought it was like a 20 minute comedy. 68 minutes? 68 minutes for this premiere, yeah. That
0: is super long. And I did watch the pilot to the Orville when it first came out and I thought it was trash. I thought the show, It was bad. I thought it didn't deserve a second season. But I did know from the IMDb score uh, that the show had improved significantly. But then it wasn't until like last month, I think when we were doing Strange New Worlds, that I realized the show was still on air. You, you thought that the Orville had like ended? Not only you thought the Orville had ended too, but the last time the Orville even played an episode was before the Game of Thrones finale,
1: was before Endgame had been released. Yeah, Game of Thrones, was, that was, yeah, 2019. Yes. May 2019, yeah. Yeah,
0: and also before four Star Trek series had even premiered. Uh, Picard, Prodigy, Lower Decks, and Strange So that's Yeah,
1: that's when they were doing their thing. Because I was going to say that Discovery had definitely premiered. I think that was like 2016 or so. Yes, that's been on
0: longer. And now that Hulu is in charge of the show, we're talking about a whole different rebranding of the show. you got new characters, new uniforms, uh, new theme music, new dynamics, new technological toys, a new crew to play with. New name, yeah. A new name, yeah. New Horizons. Because
1: it was season one, season two, and that wasn't even season three when I wanted to hulu it just said new horizon oh it had its own separate yeah it has like own separate thing. it's it still would...
0: only being released weekly though
1: yeah so it has kept that but it has a bigger budget i think it's competing with all these other space shows that are out there it has the to, no it, it has to be because at this point i was surprised to see you said it was cheap in the intro but this thing looked like amazing i was i was taken aback by it kind of a little bit it starts off with like a uh like a full-on space fight scene that looked like it could have been straight out of star trek or star wars but like cinema like i was surprised to see how like high budget this was
0: i i heard a little bit about this sequence so it doesn't end up actually being a true scene, yeah,
1: right yeah we, we follow marcus i'd say he's probably like i don't know 18 or so on the ship and um and he's with his brother ty and then like as this as all these explosions are happening and the orville is like fighting all these different ships we see like the red pew, pew, lights like yeah, and stuff. yeah yeah all of it and then uh he runs into this robot named isaac and then he and then people are familiar with isaac yeah marcus, in this show. marcus is like isaac and then isaac's face suddenly turns like completely red and he turns into almost a monster and ends up just being a dream sequence now
0: when you say he turns into a monster he gets
1: like fangs and stuff right yeah his like face is usually just like blue eyes and that's about it and but like it, a big metal structure yeah but it turns completely red and like he like it's how like does a vampire. he get fangs It just a mouth comes out of nowhere, and it suddenly like like, morphs out there. Yeah, it's like an actual vampire. All right, and by then, you kind of
0: realized it was a dream? Well, it, like, cuts completely to Marcus just waking up. Oh, so it could have been real. You didn't know. As a new fan, you didn't realize. Yeah, I had
1: had no idea.
0: Because Isaac (laughs) is a main character, and there is a heavy amount of backlog plot that you probably would need to understand. What's going on? But by the end yeah. of the episode, did you kind of put I mean, it together,
1: or do I need to explain some stuff? Well, I I think that it would definitely do to understand kind of the first two seasons. But I jumped into this episode and was able to gather everything rather quickly. All right, so so tell me what you were able to pick up on. Well, Isaac apparently uh, he must have been in a fight with like the humans and the and like robots. That must have been like something in the first two seasons. His because, his race sorry, right. of the Kalons.
0: He is a Kalon. And he's been part of the ship's crew since the beginning. Okay. However, in season two, there was this hullabaloo where the Kalons as a whole, as a group, as a community, turned on the rest of the universe and kind of tried to wipe them out. Because there was a huge war that was happening in space. In fact, that's like... The Union had to team up with their enemy, the Krill,
1: and they had to fight the Kalons. And I think that's still going on. But
0: Isaac's a good Kalon.
1: Yeah, exactly. He almost reminds me of the peace-loving bomb moms in Super Mario 6. 64, the ones that aren't trying to kill you <laughs> yes. that are, like, pink or whatever. Um, because, yeah, Isaac, though, he he goes to, like, the dining hall where people are sitting, and then he has to sit with members, and they're like, oh, yeah, sure. And the moment he sits down, everyone gets up and leaves. So some high school dynamics going on. There. Almost, yeah. And then I think a new character, or it seemed like she was new, Charlie. Yes, Charlie did you Burke. recognize her?
0: No, I didn't. Okay, well, she's from 13 Reasons Why. She's played by someone named Amanda Winters. She played Bryce's girlfriend. And the reason why 13 mm. Reasons Why is... well. We'll get to that in a minute but go ahead
1: yeah so i, I think i know where you're going at yeah. that point but yeah charlie burke uh sits back down and is like i'm sorry that was harsh of us and you think that she's going to be a good character and kind of console isaac even though isaac doesn't apparently as we think feel pain or feel really like have any pain. emotion yeah have any emotion Empathy. charlie is like uh, charlie kind of turns on him and uh kind of blames him for the death of either his sister or a friend i think her best friend her best friend yeah because yeah. she had the her best friend had to sacrifice herself in order for Charlie to survive to get into this escape pod as the war was going on between the Kalons and the humans
0: do you side with Charlie in this moment or are you more I on was Isaac's? more on
1: Isaac's side but then again I hadn't seen the first two seasons so you're just on and all, the, you're all, a friendly robot all I had seen of Isaac was the fact that he was being hated on by yeah. this point and then it goes into the intro also I should mention it started off with in memory of Norm Macdonald and I was just thinking to myself oh it's probably because Seth MacFarlane and him were friends but Norm McDonald actually is like in the show, yeah, which he's was a, he's a character.
0: He plays like this blob thing, right? Yeah,
1: he plays like a Doffy big yellow blob, and and uh, yeah, that was one of my I pros. Was green, just from the pictures. You, well, he, he was one of my pros because I just didn't expect to see him in the show. He filmed the entire, Or he voiced the entire season. Before oh, okay, so they, okay, yeah. So and, he'll be there for a while. So that was that was sad, but also funny just to see him show up. This season is supposed to
0: take place almost immediately after the events of season two. So is it like just focused on the Orville or Are we seeing other ships that are going out to war? Or are there, like, TV screens that are showing, like, news respondents or news reporters?
1: It's mostly just focused on the Orville. And really, I think the premiere is just focused kind of on Isaac's storyline. So we're following Isaac after that lunch that you just talked about. Right, yeah. He goes back into the system room. And he sees that, like... Is the
0: system room, like, a bunch of blinking lights? It's
1: where he spends most of his time, I think. Oh, he's just hanging out. Yeah, I think it's where, like, he's able to kind of control the ship a little bit. Does he
0: charge or is he more, like... where he actually has blood and
1: stuff. Do you know? Oh, I don't think he has blood. Okay. I think I think he has so- to be charged or maybe he has like an ongoing battery. I don't know. But the thing is, is that we see that all over the cameras and, and kind of system it's, uh painted on the walls. He sees the word murder, which is obviously- Like in talking- blood? No, 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 no. It's just in purple paint. Oh, okay. But it, it was vandalized and it was obviously talking about Isaac because that's what we learned. The whole entire ship is really mad that, and this must have happened in like the season two finale or something where Ed reinstated Isaac because, like, he... Like, they forgave him in a way, but at the same time, they're still wary of his people. Well, it was only Ed who seems like he, they forgave him. Because... Ed, the, the pilot of the entire Yeah, the Orville. captain. The captain, yes. Yeah, and, and Kelly Grayson from Friday Night Lights. Uh, that person you recognized her uh yeah Uh, she (laughs) She plays his
0: ex-wife they're apparently kind of in the lesser tier of this first episode like they usually they're the main characters and this time they took a back seat to isaac and the rest of the game because
1: they're the only people who are like kind of okay with isaac because again ed is the one to reinstate him everyone else on the ship marcus uh all these people um how about the doctor gordon uh dr claire finn oh yeah Claire they had apparently a thing yes that's why I'm asking is she on his side she is on Isaac's side but except for that and maybe John who is also a system repair like room person except for those four people Ed Kelly John and Claire everyone else is mad that Isaac is still on this ship they want him gone in fact Marcus even says to Isaac later on again he's a robot so it's kind of funny but Marcus says to uh, Isaac later on the episode I want you dead Hmm. which is exactly what happened. Isaac ends up killing himself like midway through the episode that quickly. Yeah. So it's just like once is there anything that leads you to uh, predict that? Well, every single person who comes in, like, contact with Isaac is telling them how mad they are. That no, he's but I
0: mean, shit. like, does the music kind of hint that something terrible is about to happen to him? Or do you see, like, a bunch of shots of him from every angle being like, well, this is supposed to be, like, that time where you see an emotional front face shot of someone, but because he's a robot, you
1: can't really tell? Like, I mean, yeah, but you, you, would, you, like, they, again, the whole entire thing that we're led to believe as an audience is the fact that he doesn't have any real emotion. So even when he's killing himself, he's leaving, like, a video message where he's like, I'm hoping that this makes everyone else feel better because you're not supposed to think that he actually has any type of like feeling. To so the
0: himself. most important question then is, was it effective? Did it make you feel sad? And did you like the show more for it?
1: Uh, I mean, I thought that the first half, especially the part where Isaac does kill himself, that was probably the most emotional it got, and I did feel sad because I think Isaac was probably my favorite character up until that point. Mm-hmm. And by that point, we had gotten some funny scenes. I would say that the whole entire show, in of itself, was entertaining. I really can't hate on it too much because it felt like a family show. Okay. But the but the back half, kind of the half. The that, second half of the episode. second half of it, right after Isaac uh, kills himself. It, it i felt like the show really slowed down hit the brakes yeah for the next 10 minutes or so it's focused on a lot of people like claire just kind of grieving the fact that isaac decided to kill
0: himself did we find out who put the murderer sign on the thing yeah
1: oh i, I forgot about that yeah, yeah yeah uh so we learned that that was actually marcus the older son of claire
0: the person who was in the dream
1: yeah exactly because he was just and that's what leads him to talk to isaac right before he dies by being like i wish you weren't even here right now like you the cause of thousands of people dying and then that's basically what every single person's argument is on this ship who doesn't like that isaac is there So
0: analytically do you think that there's a reason why he would have shut himself down or killed himself not for empathy's sake but also but just for the mission uh for the mission yeah like if he's programming is telling him that the only way that things can run successfully is without him being there then maybe
1: that's the thing that killed him and well, rather than you're jumping ahead a little bit okay because because they do talk about that later on yeah um after about the 10 minutes of grieving and we even learned that claire's youngest son ty is going to the simulation room and still like um wanting a simulation of isaac's friends with Isaac. right yeah uh and claire's like you can't do that we just kind of have to get over the fact that isaac is dead and like it's going to hurt for a little while but i promise it gets easier and there's even this ceremony after all of that, suddenly uh, John has this, like, this idea. He goes into Isaac's body because he, the funniest part I should also When message, you say goes in, does he cut open
0: Isaac's body? Opens
1: or? up his face, and there's this little tiny chip, and the chip still has some type of activity on it. Yeah, and he, he's a little USB guy. I have a few of those no it's like a circular like <laughs> <Okay>. flat thing <laughs> yeah the weird the weird thing is though is that like through a ton of it, it just it just felt like the Orville was trying to kind of get the audience lost in terms of the explanation of as to how they would be able to bring Isaac Throwing back. a lot of random like, just to some, be like yeah but if, if,
0: mixed with sci-fi terms yeah if
1: we do this and this and this and that we'll be able to get Isaac back what comes what it boils down to is um Charlie the same person at the beginning of the episode who is being mean Charlie to Isaac Burke, yeah yeah she can do something called like dimensional visualization, which apparently is something that is going to be able to bring Isaac back, but she has to do it because a computer would not be able to do the same type of function. She's the only person who can save him.
0: So the person who probably hates him the most on the ship is the person responsible for bringing him back? Yeah, it's an interesting conundrum.
1: And even when you know, like Ed goes to her and is like, "I really need you to do this," and that's an order, and and all this different stuff, she's like, "No, absolutely not. I'm glad that Isaac is dead. I do not want to bring him back." So what convinces her? Uh, yeah, I was waiting. I was waiting for that one conversation, and it's Marcus, the same person who wrote "murder on the wall" and vandalized the system room. Who was did like, he
0: like see his brother freaking out? Or, or no,
1: he he just kind of felt bad because. He, he was the last person to say to Isaac, I want you dead before Isaac actually committed ah. suicide. And... I didn't feel like that conversation in and of itself would have actually worked if this was for somehow real, but it does for Charlie, and she ends up bringing him back, and Isaac is Just still alive. Just feels like moral
0: overtone, maybe a little bit too heavy-handed?
1: Yeah, especially by the end, because after Isaac is brought back, Claire, uh, she's a therapist, so she's almost holding a therapy session with Isaac, and yes. they're literally spelling out the plot, which is basically Claire is, is making Isaac suddenly believe that he actually can feel emotion. That's the whole entire reason as to why he did commit suicide and that all these people that were being mean to him actually was like a uh an actual is, is it a
0: kid's show it's a family show. If it's a family show, then I understand that, yeah. you know? I mean, They're just I, trying to make sure that everybody's on board. You don't want the parents to have to explain everything to the kids at the end. But it is about suicide, so I, you'd think that yeah. it would
1: be... Well, that's, that, that was the kind of where I got to my cons of the list. Because it's like, I mean, I understand. I, I do understand what you're saying where it's a family show. And you don't want things to be, like, too dark. Because for the most part, the show is pretty light. But well, it's too difficult feel... to understand. Like, the little uh, yeah. intricacies or, or differences in, in emotions But it It does feel like you are kind of giving away some of it. Because it felt like right after Isaac committed suicide, the show was saying something about grief. That was kind of the moral message. The fact that Isaac was lost and people are either going to feel all these different ways about it and try to cope in their own ways. And it felt like by bringing him back, I understand he's a main character and I was glad to see him come back. It just felt like maybe the message wasn't being conveyed as properly as it could have been. Hmm. So overall... Pretty predictable. I did not think that had to be an hour and eight minutes. Is this usually a 20 minute TV show? I
0: don't think it's usually 20 minutes, but I think it's usually closer to an hour.
1: It it felt like it. it, This is the first
0: season where they've pre-written all the material going into the So season. it was like
1: an episode-by-episode episode basis. Not only did
0: they, yeah, not only did they have just an extremely high budget compared to the first couple seasons, but they also, I think, spent a lot more work on it.
1: Yeah, like I said, it looks great. Like, visually, I thought that really worked. It also had some people that I wasn't expecting in it. I'm not sure if it got the name, but they had this uh, person who was Gordon. He was being able to write this. Gordon sh- Malloy? Yeah, Gordon Malloy. Scott Grimes. Yes, seen him in a ton of stuff. Yeah, like, ER
0: and Shameless. ER. He also voices the kid in American Dad, so yeah. that's how Seth MacFarlane. Knows okay, him. that
1: yeah. So that's where that but he plays his comes best from.
0: friend. So I, I'm not surprised that it, Ed Mercer's best friend.
1: Yeah, and Pterodon. He he's riding this new ship that they have called the Terradon. Whenever whenever he was like riding through the galaxy, it looked it looked great.
0: So he's got his own ship now.
1: Yeah, he's like the pilot. I'd say outside for like these of smaller the smaller ships. Yeah, great. Uh, and so I would also say this show reminds me of. And I would think maybe it was a parody at first, but just seeing kind of how serious this series did get, I think it's more an homage to Star Trek. Futurama, uh, I put down here because it's not, there's no jokes in here where it's just flat out hilarious, where I was just like laughing a lot. There's a lot of kind of, hidden jokes no fart jokes (laughs) yeah nothing nothing that obvious no peter griffin jokes and then like i was saying stranger things um in terms of runtime and you just mentioned peter griffin i would say that the orville definitely is better than a lot of episodes of like family guy or something Uh like that because again they are trying to actually like send somewhat a message even if it is a little bit muddled overall like i said i really can't get that mad at the show so what would you give it i give it like i'd say a seven out of ten all right so mediocre uh would you watch another episode of it I'm probably not because I was going to say if, if I heard that the third season was the best, but just from what I've seen, I feel like this is just kind of a standard episode and I don't need to see too many of those to kind of understand it, you know.
0: Well, it's ironic to me that Discovery gets shit on for being so dramatic, right? Mm-hmm. And then Strange New Worlds gets a thumbs up for coming in here and being like kind of an, uh, a throwback. Uh, episodic, uh, kind of lighthearted adventure.
1: And I would say that actually, this compa- compared to Strange New Worlds, I would say this Orville episode was actually better. You liked it more. Yeah. And that said, well, you only saw the first episode of
0: Strange New Worlds.
1: Well, I only saw the first episode of this, too.
0: <laughs> yeah, but that still has an 8.1. This has an 8 on IMDb. This, again, started off as a parody, much more stupid humor, and then it kind of turned into a loving tribute and homage like you're talking about. But now people are saying it's formed its own identity, that it's almost better than a lot of the Star Trek ripoffs that I could, are out I could there see right that, now. yeah. yeah. Um, but the other thing that I, We kind of glossed over the whole title of the episode, which is Electric Dreams. And we have talked about Philip K. Dick before, last in The Man Who Fell to Earth. We kind of went... <laughs> because the author of of that book... Um, Walter something or other he was a big inspiration on Philip K. Dick and his his other stories and they died around the same time sci-fi gods you know or sci-fi fathers right Right. Um, but the, the whole idea of empathy and whether or not robots can feel empathy what I see it as is almost like in the original Star Trek you have Spock who is mostly human but their emotions are tuned down way lower yeah yeah but this is like a heightened version to Spock where, like, you don't even see really the human in him, but you are led to then believe that it is somewhere ingrained in that. Like, yeah. we've seen it in the West world, we've seen it in Raised by Wolves, whether or not you can program a robot to feel empathy. I think the question is but also would you is want or not, to? Or would you want to? Um, well, I think this does answer that because if they don't, then those robots end up wanting yeah. to take over everything. But the idea that, they don't have to program it, that it can just learn it on its own, is also quite interesting and has something that has been discussed for a long time. The other things that I wanted to talk about that you mentioned, Seth MacFarlane, no matter what you think of the dude, right, you can't deny that he's not a busy guy. Like He does The Family Guy, he does American Dad, he does movies, you've seen Ted, A Million Ways to Die in the West— <laughs> Uh, He's released multiple studio albums. Um, Really? Yeah, he was up for a Grammy, I think, a couple of times. He hosts radio shows. He has to produce a lot. He's been on guest stars and a a lot lot of stuff. He's like the Amazon of people. (laughs) Like, he's going to produce enough stuff where eventually, and it's all, like, really kind of basic, no offense, um, (laughs) that eventually you'll find something that you're into. But this is kind of altogether unlike anything he's done before. Mm -hmm. He's definitely been inspired by. Uh, with Star Trek since a young age. Like, there are videos of him on YouTube recreating when he was like 16 years old Star Trek stuff with his friends. Yeah. But I was also surprised to learn some other stuff about him. Like, he was, when he pitched Family Guy, he was only like in his mid 20s. And so he became the youngest executive producer of all time at the, wow. at the time. Now, that's been, he's been displaced by someone named Marze Martin. She's the girl from, um, I think, Blackish. Oh, okay. And yeah. she was like 16 years old when she became an executive producer on, I think it was a film. Wow. Um, and then also remember that Mark Wahlberg, this is completely off topic from the Orville, but remember when Mark Wahlberg went spouting off about like, had he made his flight and been on one of the 9-11 flights that he would have like stopped the rampage and yeah, and, yeah. And defeated everybody. And, right, and then they made fun of it on Family Guy using Brian. What I didn't know was that Seth MacFarlane was also supposed to be on that flight and that he actually that exact same flight and he actually missed it because he was he had a hangover and also his travel agent had like wow. allegedly misbooked him or something like that but it's crazy to think that then he would have made fun of it on the show. Yeah, it's so it, weird. <laughs> but yeah, that was the weirdest thing I learned about him. Den of Geek gave this episode, back to the topic, uh-huh. a 5 out of 5. A 5 um, out of 5. A Collider score. said 8 a-. minus. Like, people seem to really like it. Since the season 2 episodes, Identity Part 1 and Identity Part 2, which is the beginning of the Kalon War and shows where everybody's hatred towards Isaac comes from, those episodes have like a 9.1, 9.2 on IMDb. And, uh, and since that, it's kind of carried over into this goodwill for the next
1: season yeah I, think. I was i was gonna say that i understand that like why it has a fan base yeah because i could definitely see why and i i feel like it almost can have as much uh, information or like uh like lore behind it as something like star trek so I'm sure that someone who watched this episode, like and has been a big fan of the Orville, to them it was it was probably like really good. Just do we so, have any
0: cliffhangers going into the next few uh, episodes? I think
1: the only cliffhanger is really like how is the crew going to come because we do see uh, Marcus being somewhat happy that Isaac is there uh, by the come end. Come around to yeah, he has, Isaac he has a smile on and his Isaac's face.
0: still your favorite character by the end. Yeah. But I
1: think What I, about
0: this new character, Charlie Burke? Because we, we d- talked about her being in 13 Reasons Why. Obviously, that applies because of the suicide, suicide thing. So yeah. she's had two shows where her character has been uh, indirectly uh, part of someone committing suicide and then having sort of a moral a uh, quandary about whether or not that's like, sh- they should be allowed to do that.
1: I'm expecting a scene between Charlie Burke and Isaac later on in the series. Uh, no, no, not that <laughs> definitely by the end of the season though, where it's like, she comes to forgive him because like, even after she saves Isaac, she's still like, I didn't do it for you. I didn't do it to save you. Yeah. I did it for kind of everyone else on the ship. And, and how
0: does Isaac take it? Cause it was his decision. Does he like say, well, why'd you wake me up? Or what, I, it, up it,
1: really his response comes when he has that scene with Claire and he's like, no, I, I did it because I don't feel like any type of emotion or anything. And then Claire's like, no, you definitely do. That's okay. the reason why you did it. Right. So that's where that kind of plays out.
0: All right. And the last thing I'll point out is that Amanda Winters, in 13 Reasons Why, I didn't know that their team, I'd forgotten, was called the Liberty Tigers. And so they had to have the same mascot that Stranger Things has for the basketball team they're also the tigers they're like the hawkins tigers
1: really I i, I thought you were going to say they're also the liberty tigers and i was going to be like no <laughs> the liberty over. i
0: think is the name of the high school yeah yeah okay.
1: but that was just
0: interesting other than that there's really no connection to the last episode we did with physical which i like to sometimes connect the two so that's about it for me thanks for listening to the podcast unless you have anything else to say no, all funny. right we'll see you on the next one bye bye